good to me. But yes, sir. Um, I know you guys are probably surprised to be hearing from us so soon. It is July 28th, 2.38 p.m., which is only three weeks after we released the previous pod. So I know you guys probably didn't think that we you're going to hear from us for another like six to eight months, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you know, just based on our, our last recording, uh, that's our, about our average right now. <laughs> but welcome back to the Two Asians podcast. And today, what on tap is media part two. Oh, media part two. I like it, dude. Sounds like a good yeah, ring Dude, a lot of uh, really good media information, news. Go Asian Americans. Woo! Oh, yeah. Big news. Dude, big, big news. news. But yeah, um, so I guess well, you can start off the way we always do, just talking about what our lives have been like for the last three weeks since we uh, last released the pod. Yeah, dude. First thing first, uh, Joe can now see. What, 2020? I can see. Is it perfect? Is that what Actually, it's supposed to be? You know what I found out is that 2020 is not the definition of perfect vision. Oh, so it's a myth. Tell me more. Yeah. 2020 is actually what's considered standard vision. And so apparently at 2020, you can read certain, you can see up to a certain point Mm -hmm. at 15 feet. And then 2015 means you can see clearly at 20 feet, which like to me is not like intuitive because you would think like 2015 or 2020 would be like at 20 feet and 2015 would be at 15 feet. But I'm not the eye doctor and I didn't make that up. But one eye is 2015, the other eye is 2020. Yeah, you sounded like the eye doctor right there, dude. I have, I'm just going to nod my head and be like, yeah, okay, <laughs> is, that is sounds that right. Is that I'm Asian, Vinny? Is that, yeah, that would be my uh, presumption, Joe, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so I got LASIK. It's uh, very exciting. I can see everything now. And I'll be honest with you, I was definitely worried for our friend Joe here. Uh, <laughs> as I let him know after he'd already scheduled his appointment that there was a chance that it wasn't going to work out. But yeah. Uh, you know, that's just my my concerning nature, so to speak. He sent me this New York Times article about, like, all these LASIK operations gone bad in people and, like, how people literally went crazy because some of the side effects never went away. Yeah. And I was reading it, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And this but... is all after he already scheduled it, so there wasn't anything he was going to do. He was like, the money was in yeah. the account. It was ready to yep. go. He had, like, te- well, test- I wouldn't call them testimonials, but you provided me solid evidence saying that his family members have done it and whatever, and it was successful. So, from my end, no, I will never do it. Not for me. <laughs> uh, if anyone's curious, we're not going to post the link in the bio, but by all means, make sure you do your research. That's all. Enjoy living with glasses, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Put some contacts in. It's not that bad. You know, I saw recently new development is that uh, somebody posted, like, their sunglasses or what you get from sunglasses which you wouldn't get from contacts there's like a new tech coming out that allows your your own contacts to you know provide some shade i don't know it looks pretty cool I, I didn't actually really look this up myself so i'm not doing the due diligence that i'm telling you to do about lasik <laughs> but Lazy please bum. do anyway so i'm saying the future in contacts is still evolving so to speak um but yeah no no good night sweet prince for joe he's not blind um luckily I hope he doesn't have any of the uh, bad symptoms. But again, uh, I'm happy for you, Joe. No more, no more glasses, no more contacts. Yeah, I decided not to risk my luck by posting on Instagram right before, being like, if I never post again, I'm blind. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, that's dangerous. I, I shouldn't push my luck that way. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyhow, man, But I guess that, hey, LASIK was one part. And then since that, too, uh, 
I think Vinny came up to visit. Yeah. Oh, I came up to say what's up. We we had our, our good friend uh, Morty and, and Kyle Rayo. They're doing an art gallery. Um, so I drove up to D.C. from North Carolina just to show some support and, and really had a great time. Spent, spent yeah. the day with Joe at his new place, which is beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Um, it's kind of funny because, I mean, Vinny already knows this, but I'm sure you guys don't. I'm sure you guys could assume, but I was not a big art gallery guy. Um, I, I never really went. I mean, I've been to a few, but like at the behest of like a girl I was dating at the time. Um, and then this time, like we go and then we check out what like Rayo and Morty are doing. Turns out pretty freaking cool. Um, it was like really interesting having like the artists themselves being there. We got to meet one, this kid, uh, do do i think and like yeah, his accounts from like do world where like the e is a three so yeah anyway. kid he's like 19 and his artwork is incredible just like mind-blowing and i was like what the heck and like, he's just a kid you know you can see he's got a very youthful face and i was like man wild like it's cool to see someone chase their passions and like doing what they love yeah i remember i think the first impression we probably had when we walked in was like hey whoa who's that guy with like the uh the afro pick in his hair like i haven't seen somebody rock that and well, well, and yeah. forever. So, like, you, you already knew you kind of stood out in a way. Um, but that, that's one of the, the cool stories about that. There's, like, a really a lot of great music. Obviously, those guys, their hard work showing through. Also, shout out to Quinn. Um, these guys, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm honestly just really proud, I guess. I'm trying to say that in a way that's um, coming from, like, a really heartfelt place anyway, is that I really appreciate these guys pushing themselves creatively, bringing all this shit, like, this awesome work for people that probably wouldn't have otherwise came out to see it, like guys like us. And yeah. I think we even ran into a couple people that didn't even know the guys and just showed yeah. up because they like liked art and then they saw it on Facebook. So they showed up. Yeah. It was like an actual Facebook event. And then they had seen it on like events near you. And then they just showed up to it. And I was like, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping some of you stumble upon the podcast. Just, you know, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day. <laughs> Keywords. <laughs> Two Asian podcast. That should be that should really be be enough. Yeah. Um, but well, so, uh, you know, during that time, dude, right after this show, uh, I think, you know, we kind of touched on this a little bit, dude. But okay, you know, what? I'm not even gonna pronounce it. You you pronounce it first, so that the viewers have it correct. Oh, what was this meal? Yeah. Oh, tang. Okay. Is it more offensive for me to try to say it authentically, or is there like an Americanized way to say something? There is no Americanized way to say this. That's what I'm thinking. You know, it's yeah, the same you just way. Gotta say, you just got to say, you got to go for it. It's the same way I think about my last name, dude. It's like, you know, it's not N- actually. Nguyen? Yeah, Nguyen. I was like, I don't know when we ever decided or how I even came upon. Because not like my parents had a talk with me and they were like, oh, Vinny, you're going to go by when out in public, okay? <laughs> I even thought about this too. I was like, what, how do my brother and like, how do my siblings even deal with like saying or pronouncing our last name? Did it just come to us out of the blue? I don't even recollect. I don't remember, dude. That's very interesting. But but point being is like, yeah. So before I get on this crazy tangent about how I said my last name, this dish, I'm just going to say it again. Duck Tori Tung. It's very close. Yeah. You're good. Chicken stew, dude. All, all I know is my Korean people. You know, okay. I'm not going to make this generalization, but Korean stews <laughs> are phenomenal, dude. This might be the, the best dish of 2019. I know it's newly invented. <laughs> definitely newly invented just came out and what's the name of the actual restaurant dude because this i've never heard 24 hour korean oh. spot seems like that should be in every city in america yeah it's called tozokchon yeah. t-o-s-o-k-c-h-o-n sponsor the pod and, yeah please uh i know you guys definitely don't listen to this but 
I'm going to go out and just please ask them to sponsor the pod because they've been sponsoring my hangovers for the last four years. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. That's it. I just remember, like, that dish got some nice hearty carbs, got some potatoes, some carrots, um, some really nice fall-off-the-bone chicken. But the best part that I love about, at least I, I, find, I can't really find it in a lot of other cuisines, is, like, Koreans just seem to really get spicy right, like, Yes. you know makes you enough so you're like you're like oh man this hurts so bad but like what i'm eating is totally worth it so um we're a food podcast now so this yeah <laughs> i think we're gonna change it every if you guys are hungry every episode hopefully you are after listening to this this will allow me to do my side pod yeah we'll hit up house from dc to see if he can go to check out tozok or not house of carbs yeah dude for sure yeah i, I think i would have been able to enjoy my meal more had i uh not seeing my ex there at one thirty. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it was a traumatizing experience. Uh, yeah. We did not speak to each other, but we definitely knew each other were there, and it was uh, very awkward. So, yeah. So this yeah. is just more like a t- you know putting it out there. If, if you're listening, we saw you. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even know about this pod, man. Man, this you, you don't know, Joe. Is, you don't know yeah, you, how, how how this podcast gets shared, and <laughs> one day someone might hear it. And then yeah, they'll pass maybe. it along. It's just, it's a small world, you know. It is. It actually is. It's a terrifyingly small world. That's true, dude. Um, and uh, hey, ooh, what else? Uh, since we had the delicious meal, um, I saw the new Lion King, dude. Have you gone and seen that yet? The the remake by John Favreau. I shouldn't even call so it remake. We do. Yeah, I, I have a, I have a lot of strong feelings about remaking old Disney movies. Like my biggest stance against it is that like it just feels lazy. Like, come on. Like, this is a classic. You've already milked it for what it's worth. And, like, come up with something new, something exciting. But instead, they're, like, they're like in the boardroom, and they're, like, what if we uh made it look like it was real? And they're, like, oh, no work involved. <laughs> you know? They're, like, let's do it. Pull the trigger. And then saps like you just ate it up. I, hey, I'm not going to lie, dude. The hype was real for me. I was super excited about it. Um... I think I probably wouldn't have felt too differently about it. And this is just my my way of thinking is like, I'll be like, oh, I love that, dude. That's great. Like, I've probably, I'm the kind of person that probably only saw Lion King once when I was a kid or maybe twice. But I wasn't like so familiar with the details where I know every lyric of every song. So the story still felt pretty fresh to me. And I was like, oh, great. But I'm sitting next to like one of my buddies, Mike, or my buddy Mike, and he's like the biggest Disney head. So like him coming through this experience, he was like, you know what? I'm just going to casually get up in the middle of a, uh, um, what's it called? Can you feel the love tonight? In which they're performing during the day, and <laughs> sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> and he just like goes to the bathroom casually, dude, not in a rush. Like he didn't want to get back. Like he was taking his time to return to the theater because he's just like, you know what? I know exactly what's gonna happen here. <laughs> Next scene will be blah 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 blah. So, anyways, he didn't seem that excited or really wasn't into the movie as much. But I still enjoyed it. It's a good story anyway. Um, yeah. Well, now you feel oh, you know, characters can emote better as a cartoon than they can as real life looking lions. Well, I think anyone could tell you that. That yeah, probably, <laughs> probably not going to be as as expressive as a cartoon. But uh, yeah. Hey. Anyways, uh, that's that's where I'll I probably know. stop. I say like you know it, it it feels like a money move, but I respect it. I guess maybe it's a boomer take of mine, but I just like the way things were back in the day. <laughs> Oh my gosh, dude. I, <laughs> boomer is, take. That is a really, that's a big boomer take for sure. Um, but now it's all about nostalgia, dude. You got, if you're not making money off of, uh, I guess, 90s kids, 
um, you're not doing it right. Yeah, honestly, I think as 90s kids, like if, I mean, I know like the old pop groups go on tour again. They do like reunions and like all of us just go out in droves and just like, it's that, you know, the Futurama meme, like, hurry up and take my money, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, I will say that certain things I will protest and that would particularly be, yeah, I don't want to hear like NSYNC or Backstreet Boys at a bar. This is not for me, dude. And, you know, if you play that, the DJ does that, not only do I lose a little respect, but I'll leave. I'll just get up and leave the dance floor. I was having a great time until you started doing this sing-along, a karaoke that I did not sign up for. I mean, I loved NSYNC when I was a little boy, but not anymore, man. So not for me. It's not for me. Yeah, if, we ever, if you ever come back up to D.C. and like, we, like, go out, um, I will not take you to this club called Decades. Um, where they have they have like different they have a different floor for a different decade and they have a 90s floor and so like that's all you're gonna hear damn dude i'm not ready for that give me another 10 years give me another decade before i care about that <laughs> i want to hear it but it's yeah then i feel like i had no time to really feel like nostalgic about it personally like i'm mm-hmm. like i don't miss this because you keep shoving it in my face so. <laughs> yeah. um hey but speaking of nostalgia of stuff that i've actually never actually seen myself so i'm like lion king which i've seen the story of Top Gun. Top Gun. Woo. And also take this as a brief note to say that Joe rides a motorcycle. So, ladies, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It just means I'm going to die way earlier than you expect. But at least he had a lot more fun than most people. (laughs) Unlikely. It's terrifying. Um, I've already been in two accidents and I not enjoyed either one. So, hopefully, there's not a third. Oh, damn. Because I think that'll be it. (laughs) But. You know, even as a not Top Gun fan, dude, that that trailer was really exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited for the Top Gun movie. And I know it sounds very, like, contradicting, contradictory to what I just said before in terms of, like, hey, stop making remakes, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, stop trying to market on nostalgia, which is exactly what Top Gun 2 is doing. Yeah. But uh, at least it's not like, if they had made a cartoon remake of Top Gun... I kind of would have been pissed, you know, like the inverse of what Disney did with that. And so like, I'm going to let this one slide and I hope you guys let it slide for me as well. <laughs> Fine by me. Even though, you know what, dude, I talk about guilty pleasures. I may not be down with Denton Sink, but I will always go for a Tom Cruise movie. Politics and all the other Scientology stuff aside, you know, put that away. I find that I find that very spicy to adds to his character. Uh, yeah, but you know I'm a hypocrite, so I will definitely not apply that for all of our celebrities. Um, <laughs> not to be named on this pod, but you know who I'm talking about. It's 2019, folks. Just read between the lines. Um, I made my stance. Anyways, um, uh, apart from that, though, dude, it's 2019. We talked about um, before we start going to a rundown of what we're going to talk about actually on the podcast today uh, was, dude, you know, have you actually had White Claw? Yes, I have. Okay. Uh, what are your thoughts? Just give, break it down. Mm, all right. So in terms of like taste, I think it's kind of whatever. Okay. It's just it's like Lacroix, mm-hmm. but you can just taste a slight hint of alcohol. And so like I don't drink Lacroix because I like it. I drink it because it's there. And maybe I want just a little bit of flavor, but not too much. Right. And so, like, and like Lacroix, Bubbly, whatever, what, whatever other sparkling water brands you drink, um, it's like it's pretty much that. But I haven't. I, I've only drank like one at a time, and so I don't know what the rate of getting drunk off of a White Claw would be, as opposed to just pounding shots as I normally do. So. Yeah. Um, 
That's a good point, dude. I guess if it's, it's all about efficiency, right? That's what I'm about. I don't, I don't disagree with you. But one thing I will have to say, and I'm obligated to say it. Actually, I'm not obligated. I mean it. Um, whichever <laughs> version of uh, hard seltzer that uh, Anheuser-Busch mix, I support that one. So down with White Claw, dude. <laughs> down with White Claw. No one's paying me to say that. It's still coming from the heart. Okay. <laughs> I only drank this drink twice, and I don't know what the hype's all about. Okay, I, I've had uh, what they call black cherry, and <laughs> I've also had lime. And the first, I'll tell you, maybe the problem is the first white claw that I had, someone had gotten like sand in it. Maybe we're Ew. bringing it out during volleyball. Let me tell you, dude, when you get sand in the top of that little can or whatever it is, and you try to crack it open, when however how much you think you cleaned out every single crevice, you're gonna taste There's always sand. More sand. You're gonna There's taste more. sand, dude. So. In my mind, garbage. <laughs> you see me with a white claw out, make sure you slap it out of my hand. All right? <laughs> Don't sponsor the pod, white claw, even though everyone loves you. Sponsor or, I'll, I mean, I'll take a sponsorship. I mean, I'll cut Vinny out for money. <sighs> hey, <you're smart. laughs> you, better, you better tell me about this this check. Uh, uh, and do you know, it's crazy, though. I think when we talk about how like it's only been like three weeks since our first pod, which will be, of course, a record. And you guys are going to have to get used to us talking more more regularly because there's just so much news so much stuff keeps keeps happening yes um and big news is that Vinny has withdrawn from team usa's training camp and fiba world cup play this summer yes he wasn't invited but he's officially withdrawn yeah i'm saying them know preemptively that i will not be in the drawing so they can just not consider me that's all on the other hand i am formally pre-accepting an invite that is pending hopefully to join the rest of the Celtics young bucks on the Team USA squad. Oh, dude. Okay. You know, Kevin, I was gonna, I was gonna say Jason like Tatum. Oh, Jeff, keep, Marcus keep Smart. Keep going. Yeah. Jalen Brown. Keep going. I'm almost empty. <laughs> That's <does> all four. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say like, yeah, you and you should team up with Utah. But I was like, wait a second. He's Japanese. He's not gonna be playing <laughs> for for Team yeah. USA. Well, um, no. Uh, yeah, Utah name is Asian American. Wait, what? I think he's Asian American. No, I thought he's straight Japanese, dude. Yeah, that's really. We're going to the Google, guys. Yeah, we yeah, need I'm to know. It right now. Also, I'm, I'm definitely gonna just edit this part out because it makes me lose credibility. Oh, never mind. You know what? He has Japanese. Okay, oh, for man. sure. Dude. I should have been I'm, more confident. I'm the one who lost credibility. This is my we'll problem. Oh, I'm ashamed of myself, dude. I was like, I heard this guy speak. Not to say that yeah, that I know, I know, is I know. a measure of and how he, American like, all his you are. All Instagram posts in Japanese. Okay. I should have known. I'm, Ooh, I'm sorry. All right. Get that out of our system. Formally apologize. But um, yeah, dude, it's hilarious how like we're in that period of like NBA free agency where uh, the only news coming out is constantly good players just re- withdrawing from uh, the FIBA World Cup. Like everyone wants, wants to just enjoy their summer or like work towards their actual NBA job. Versus, I think the newest take that I've been hearing a lot is that we just these guys play too much basketball. They need yeah. they need an off season. So I mean, they're taking games off during the regular season. They shouldn't be playing in the summer. Right. I think, but these are all the older guys. The younger guys, I mean, fresh legs, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you, know, you know, funny enough, though, actually, uh, Ben Simmons is the national Australian team. They're they're, they're called the Boomers. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yeah. Boomer take. These boomer ben takes. Simmons isn't playing for the Australian team. No, dude. He's got to focus on his game on and his shot. obligation with his team after he got the $170 million extension. Mr. 170. Congratulations, Ben. Um to be an mvp someday without a jump shot <laughs> he doesn't need it but if he has one he will be uh, in contention for goat well speaking of ben simmons shooting jumpers Vinny has a note here on our uh, outline 
of uh, a video that came out recently regarding Ben Simmons shooting jumpers over Andrew Wiggins. You want to talk about that, Vinny? Uh, yeah, let me start it real quick. Um, you know, I think I have gotten, it's kind of like, what am I going to say, like, this is part of my summer ritual, I think. You know, it used to be prior to, like, uh, during the process, just getting excited about the NBA draft, you know, what what pick the Sixers are going to go for. And ever since, I think, Andrew Bynum, so this even predates all that stuff about the process. It's probably the beginning of it, is, like, watching workout tapes of guys just in the gym getting ready for the, the NBA season during the off season. Like, that's, like, my my food, you know? So I go from watching guys like Andrew Bynum pedaling on the bike like, oh, is he going to play? Look at this guy. He's a beast. And then you move on to like guys like Drew, uh, yeah, not Drew Holiday. I was going to say Joel Embiid, throwing up jumpers, doing this crazy stuff with Drew Hanlon. Now we finally fully evolved to the storyline of the summer is, will Ben Simmons shoot a J for all the boomers out there? Will he, will he, will he so, do what everyone wants him to do? And, you know, this video comes out. There's about two of them, I think. First one with, with Wiggins, second one with Devin Booker. And, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not some shooting expert, so I'm not going to go into the, uh, oh, look at how high arcing his shot is and blah, 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 dude. I'll just be like, I wish I could just have a quick line to Ben Simmons review right now. And be like, don't listen to what the haters say, Ben. You you are your own player. No one's seen anything like you ever before. They're only trying to relate to their own experiences of what they would do at the YMCA. So don't listen to them, Ben. Do, so keep on, doing you. Speaking on behalf of the haters, um, of which I am one. <laughs> I just want a quick caveat, right? So for those of you who are, like, not basketball inclined, or even if you're, like, a casual NBA fan, Devin Booker and Andrew Wiggins are garbage defenders. So <laughs> him shooting jumpers over them is like me shooting jumpers over, like, a two-year-old man. He's still real yeah, NBA that players. baby up and ruin him. Yeah. So I don't think Ben Simmons shooting jumpers over, like, essentially garbage cans of defenders counts. So that's my hater take Ooh, ah that's scorching dude it's scorching, scorching. flames <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know we think we think you know, shooting jumpers in the gym stuff but let me also just take this moment to say that kickball is a really hard rec league sport dude oh yeah how's that segue pretty good right pretty good oh yeah great segue thank you thank you i think does talking about the segue hurt the segue yeah no, I'm going to say no. Okay, good. Great segue. I, I vote that, yes, good segue. <laughs> yeah, but kickball is tough. Yeah, it's rough. Tell dude. me why. Um, You know, I was going through the wiki how of how to be a good kickball player, and dude, that's like 20, <laughs> 20 steps. It's a lot of steps. And, uh, There's you know, a wiki how on that? If my uh, player coach is actually listening to this, which I know he isn't, but I'm just going to call him out <laughs> for it anyway, is that one of the uh, steps, and I'm not going to pull up the link in front of me and say it word for word, but it's explicitly saying, don't tell players or your players not to mess up. It will make them feel anxious. Your coach tells you not to mess up? Our player coach, you know. our <laughs> He's like, hey, it's the last inning in there, guys. No, don't go out there if you think you're going to drop the ball. And, you know, obviously I'm playing the most important position in the game, the outfielder. You know, everyone's going to be quick to critique. That's why I feel for Ben, you know, a little fucking <laughs> back. Everyone's out here thinking that they can do your job just as well as you do. And you know they're all they're gonna remember all the the misses, but they're not gonna remember the makes. You know, <laughs> and so when you drop the ball in the outfield, it's like, oh, you're the scapegoat. You're the reason why we're losing. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, point being is that that specific line really spoke to me. It said, "Don't make your players feel nervous. It will probably make them nervous when you tell them yeah. not to mess up." So, I have a very funny story about that. Yeah, tell me. Um, so I'm in a volleyball league with some of my coworkers. Daryl, if you're listening, this is about you. Um, but yeah, so like, we're like, so the other team just went on like 
It's like everyone's like pretty whatever at volleyball except for like two people on the court. And then the other team has one of them. And this guy just goes on like a 12, 15 point run of just like ace serves. It's unbelievable. We could not return a single one. And then, so like we're down by like 15 points. And so we have to go on a major run. Mm-hmm. And then, so like it's my turn to serve. So I'm going up serving. And then um, one of my coworkers, Lindsay, she mentioned that uh, I looked very unathletic while serving. But that's besides the point. <laughs> I, I probably did. Um, but like I was getting them over. I think I hit like four or five in a row. And then Daryl starts going like, hey, man, just take it one at a time. Just get it over the net. I'm like, don't tell me to do that. I'm like, definitely going to hit it into the net. Yeah. Like, like now I'm thinking about what I'm doing. Yep. You know, previously I was just doing it, you know. And then like you're putting pressure on me by saying just one at a time, man. And I'm like, stop telling me to do that. Like it's like it's the exact situation as like, hey, man, why are you getting mad? Don't get mad. Why are you so angry? It's like, relax, man. I'm like, has that ever cooled anyone down in the history? Like, if you, like for those of you who are like, Vinny's, out of, Vinny's married, I'm in, like, I've had relationships. Like, you ever tell your girlfriend to just relax? <laughs> <laughs> no. <I> mean, <laughs> it's like, that's never going to help. No. It's not going to be, yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't think, you think, you think like Ben Simmons teammates just go up to him in the middle of a game as he's like, breaking free throws being like hey man just one at a time just get it in the net like no one says that they just leave them alone you don't talk to a pitcher during a no hitter and you don't tell someone just get it one over get one at a time man like yeah yeah just like your player coach shouldn't tell you don't get nervous don't mess up this is our opportunity to take any kind of passive aggressive advice i would like to say to people in person and say it over the pod (laughs) so this is aggressive right (laughs) yeah don't tell me don't tell me to take it one at a time don't don't tell me to take this podcast one line at a time. That's right. Dude. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, so now that I've calmed down, got that off my chest, um, we could talk about other things. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> what else are we going to talk about? Nah, dude. Well, I think that's uh, that's pretty much, I mean, you know, shout out to uh, Tyler. I haven't seen him in years. I know when I was down up, the, up there in D.C. for the brief period that I was, I got a chance to go see Tyler, your uh, brother from another mother, literally. Literal brother from another mother. Literally. Um, um, also... Something new that happened since the podcast is we got a new profile picture. Oh, yeah. So want to shout out Daniel Choi. Um, his Instagram handle is dchoigraphy underscore 95. Uh, this kid took photos for us. He's a really close friend of mine. Took photos for us back in like December. Super talented. And uh, yeah, he's actually starting his own little website portfolio. So for like the eight of you that listen to this one of which is probably Daniel, <laughs> for the seven others of you. Uh, go ahead and check out his Instagram. Check out his website. If you all have any photography needs, hit up Daniel. Support our friends, guys. Yes, yes. Please. Um, hey, man, so I think if this is any appropriate time for us to actually talk about what we'll actually be talking about for the rest of the pod, I'm ready to get into it, dude. Um, So again, this is the Two Asian Podcast. Uh, my name is Vinny, and I'm joined by my host, Joe Cho. What up? And today, uh, in this media, part two, part three, part four, whatever you want to call it, um, we'll be running through 
the big headlines throughout the past couple of weeks, or the most important one, being Simu Lu is Shang-Chi. If you don't know what any of those combination of words were, <laughs> you're going to find out. <laughs> Mulan um, it came out with uh, the, like, the live-action remake. Um, will be coming out, um, I think, soon. Um, or if not soon, at least within the year. That's exciting. Um, we'll take a moment to correct some of our mistakes from the last podcast. In our segment is the Tap Water Potable, as well as Asian News, which, honestly, this whole thing is Asian News. And then... Yeah. Uh, but yeah. unstructured Asian News. <laughs> yeah, unstructured. Uh, some of it's going to be mixed up. But yeah, uh, dude, let's we can just hop right into it. Yeah, so as part of Marvel's uh, Marvel Universe, they released the plans for Phase 4, which up until about a week ago, I had no clue that Marvel was releasing these movies in phases because it just seemed like one large flood. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like, they've been releasing like 20 a year. I'm like, give me a break. I barely go to the theaters. But anyways. I don't even read comics, uh, bro. Yeah, nerds. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, I, I literally wait for these movies to come out on Netflix and then I don't watch them. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, like, I keep telling myself I will, but I never do. Um, but yeah, so like phase four included an Asian superhero named Shang-Chi. And as it turns out, they cast an Asian guy for it. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. Um, this must be like a Hollywood first, but go on. Yeah, uh, you know, I think we'll probably be kind of doing a little back and forth here. I think we have our own little exposures to, like, who Simu Liu is to us. And I just honestly learned how to say his first name, Simu, because I would have thought it was, like, Simu or anything like that. But it's Simu Liu. I've done my research on that part. Um, but where I've probably seen him, first and foremost, is if you're familiar with the uh, Canadian um, broadcast TV show, but there's also on Netflix, they just don't release at the same time, Kim's Convenience. We brought it up on um, our live pod, and we'll be delving into it there. But, uh, yeah, Kim's Convenience, honestly, actually, like, I found it really refreshing. It's based off of a uh, play, I believe, that they just kind of made into this TV show. They took some of the original actors, and they brought on uh, Simu, who actually is Chinese, but he's playing a Korean, Korean-Canadian or Asian-North American. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still trying to figure that out, but... We'll get into that in a second. <laughs> we'll get into that for a second. Um... But yeah, it's. I think this is so huge for, I guess, the community because um, I guess maybe I'm being a little bit hyperbolic to say that this would be like the Asian Black Panther movement. Um, correct me if you feel otherwise here, Joe, but in my mind, I think there's an opportunity for it. But part of that goes along with maybe casting the right people, um, not maybe bringing in the similar cast of characters that you might expect. And in my mind, I kind of equate that to maybe not the most like uh, fluent speaking English uh, actors and maybe their primary role in movies past, if you're seeing like an Asian you know, martial artist, is that, yeah, like they, they got out the skills to do all the flashy moves and stuff, but they can't really communicate that or really personify charm and like confidence um, just through their lines or dialogue. Or even if it wasn't even presented to them, they weren't given an opportunity. This movie will seem like a great uh, showcase of just that. And I think they picked the right guy to do it. Simu, so my, my impression, loved them on the show with Kim Convenience. Really charismatic. He actually can do backflips and do all that other stuff too. So he seems like the full package in that regard. If but if you're not gonna know his name before this, you're certainly gonna know his name after this movie, regardless of how it actually is. Pretty much, that's my impression. Yeah, and I feel like, and so like with you know putting my annoyance at like the frequency of Marvel movies aside, they do a great job. 
they're always entertaining, and I don't think there's been a single, like, bomb of a movie. Like, I don't think any of the Marvel movies have, like, tanked. No. And so I'm, like, confident that they're going to do a great job with casting him. They're going to do a great job putting a great cast around him and making a movie that's very entertaining. So, like, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think just to kind of reiterate um, or kind of uh, continue your point about how Marvel really does not myths, uh, I think they, they take a lot of stories that I think generally are in obscurity and make them popular. Like, most people would mm-hmm. probably say, I know Iron Man, I know Spider-Man, um, but I didn't know anything about, like, Ant-Man and the Wasp or... Yeah, I thought they had made that up. Well, everything's made up. But... Yeah, like, I mean, for me, um, Guardians of the Galaxy, like... Yeah, so, who knew? Yeah, for nerds. So I think when people talk nerds. about, too, like... Oh, sometimes I think when these movies aren't getting made, they're like, we can't put an Asian actor in there because this $250 million budget movie can't be, you know, spearheaded by someone that nobody knows. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. completely false. I think you have the right kind of people and creatives and team um, actually behind the movie, that that's so important. And then you kind of make stars out of the people that are cast, right? Like, I think right. that's how you, you show real talent. And um, I think delving into some small things, we don't know. T- I, I can't tell you too much about the movie Shane She. So if someone wants to like, please inform us about what the lore is behind that. Uh, but I, what I can tell you that is, is that it's just really important to see. I got like Simu in this role. I mean, he talk about a guy that you can probably relate to. And, and Joe and I in particular is like looking at a guy that's coming from corporate America. Uh, from what we've read, he studied to be an accountant, worked at Deloitte um, while he's in Toronto, but he got laid. <laughs> laid off <laughs> at 23 um, and then use that as an opportunity to, to kind of delve into the, a career in the arts you know and obviously this wasn't something that was like immediately accepted by his family um, Desmond wasn't an easy decision to even tell them that this is something that he wanted to pursue but uh, let's say fast forward I, I don't want to say the timeline now he probably is closer to like to his 30s um, now uh, and look at him he's got cast to be in Shang-Chi and this is not just a single movie you gotta imagine, especially knowing Marvel and their flooding of movies, this is gonna be like a trilogy at least, right? So, they they sign yeah. him up for a, for a long term deal. Um, how about the ripple effect? I guess you'd say about Crazy Rich Asians having all the success, Joe. About I guess Asians being able to sell. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we talked about this in the first media episode, but like, yeah, Asians sell. They did. Um, the success of Crazy Rich Asians definitely. I mean, I don't know if it has like a direct effect, but I think at least. At the worst, um, it just it's just another uh, a data point for them to work off of. And like maybe it's just their projections for how much money they're going to make off of this movie. But at some rate, at some point, I think it did factor into their decision making. Where yeah, maybe this is the right time. I think the culture did speak to you know finding this stuff enjoyable, finding it entertaining, and then they're like, all right, well maybe now is the time to roll out Shimu Lu and Shang Chi. And so uh, I think that's exciting. And then. You know, coming from another big four company, uh, when I, I used to work at KPMG, and I was like, man, thinking like when I read his, uh, you know, Vinny sent me this link about him saying, you know, I'm like really, you know, about him getting laid off at 23, and I was like, man, sometimes you just need a kick in the butt to do what you want to do, you know, <laughs> and then like whether you whether you know i mean i'm sure a lot of people who get laid off never end up pursuing their passions mm-hmm. right and they just go right back into trying to find you know what it is they were doing but really props to him for chasing his passion and his dreams to really go for it um i think especially when you have a job that's like as like relatively prestigious as deloitte and you know doing accounting work for like one of the biggest four firms in accounting in the world like 
it's hard to let that go. And so I, I you know, I'm really impressed and inspired by him. Um, whether or not I'll actually do anything about that, who knows? Maybe I need to kick in the butt. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah. Nonetheless, it, it is really expi- like inspiring anyway, just to see. And yeah, I think we can chalk a lot of things up to luck. Certainly, I think we can say timing is such a big, important factor, like we mentioned, mm-hmm. um, with Crazy Rich Asians even coming out. And I think it just, if anything else, it presents the opportunities. Yeah. Um, it's not, you, I agree with you that it's not necessarily directly related. But I think that opportunity was... I guess presented at all versus like a movie like 21 and over. I don't know if you ever heard about that one, dude. Um, I remember seeing the trailer for that movie and this kind of feels like a tangent, but I remember seeing the trailer thinking like, wow, dude, this is going to be a movie about an Asian guy. It's like a party and stuff. It's called 21 and over. And then I watch it and it's like the main actors was miles teller and this other random white dude. Like, I'm like <laughs> the Asian guy is like asleep the entire movie, you know, like he wasn't. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I remember, you know what? If, if, <laughs> Yes, I remember. So what I mean to say, if I can relate it back to this particular subject, is I feel like what they could have done with Shang-Chi, one, it maybe wouldn't have been made. Like, there's, there's no interest in this kind of story. Um, not to say that I think they would have even taken this as an opportunity to whitewash. I feel like that's maybe something that hopefully is trending away. But um, maybe they could just have him be like a sidekick. Like, that could have been something. Right. It, it wouldn't have been the same story. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad not to, that we didn't come across that narrative uh, when it yeah. came to this story. And yeah, shout out to Simu Liu. You know, it sounds like way to grind. You know, happy for him for sure. Big time, big time. Yeah, and um, just a quick note, slight tangent, but at the very beginning, at the inception of the tap, Vinny and I imagined that this would be a podcast talking about the Asian American experience, mm. and so we've decided, you know, as a culture, to assimilate Canadians, <laughs> and instead of saying Korean Canadians, we're just going to call them Asian North Americans. Yes, this will be a <laughs> or like Asian Canadians. We're just going to call them North. We're just going to absorb. North America right now, and I don't know if there's any like, or if there's like a significant population of Asians in Central America. I know there's quite a bit in South America. True. So eventually we can drop the North, and then just say Asian America, Americans again because it includes North, Central, and South America. Gee, that's a great so point. We're, we're we're just gonna assimilate all of them. Yeah, dude. We, we're gonna take them all. I gotta tell you, as a group, I feel like our goal is not to be exclusive. We wanna be as inclusive as possible. And naming is so important, but we just coined this term right here, dude. This is yeah. a game changer. For sure. It's also very difficult to like switch between saying like Asian Canadian, Canadian Asian, or what? What do y'all go by? <laughs> you know what? We should ask them, dude. You know, let's nah, find dude. one of our Canadian friends. Nah. Say, what do you call yourself, dude? No, we're we're gonna do, we're gonna do what everyone's done over the course of history and just tell them. Oh, <laughs> like, you're right. You're an Asian North American now. <laughs> I, I, you're right. That's like that's pretty it's true. <laughs> Yeah, if someone if if we don't make it, who will? Yeah, that's true. We write our own stories, Vinny. Oh, you know what? Speaking of writing our own stories too, last thing about Simu. Um, I remember when he actually got introduced officially at Comic Con in San Diego. I think it was like this past week. Um, one of the lines that came through during his whole speech was that he came out and he's like, "Well, you know, I want to thank my mom and dad." You know, and I think he shares a pretty similar story with a lot of like us second generation Asian Americans. Uh, you know, their parents are immigrants; they came over from another country, but. In particular, he he said a line that I thought that was like, just made me like stand up. Give you know, I would have given him a standing O if I was in the audience. And he just goes, "Yes, I'm. Re- I'm just really happy that I'm not a doctor." I was like, <laughs> 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 "Thank you, Simu. Thank you for saying that." Um, I think this will be a good opportunity for us for us to uh, go into our next segment. Uh, is the tap water potable? Um, which again is just a segment where we take the opportunity to talk about some of our 
maybe I wouldn't call them mistakes, just say uh, small insignificant errors that we're going to make <laughs> significant, I guess. Um, <laughs> Joe, please. So for those of you who don't know, potable water is uh, drinkable water. And so by us asking if the tap water is potable, uh, the certain little bits are not potable. Is it potable so, or potable? Do you, I, I, oh, I don't know. Mm. See, like, I, I've always said potable. You know, you know, I'm thinking about that Saturday Night Live skit, and that's where I'm coming from. I'm like, oh, potable. Po- I forget what the actual oh, the one, the one category wait. I think. So is if so I just googled it is if the line if there's a horizontal line over the O is that O, o? that's the O sound I think right? it's an O or is elongated it? that's why yes. I would take it as I don't know what the other yeah. way would be though so it's potable so you're right you're right it's potable Dang, I'm two for two today <laughs> I know dude my tap water is definitely not potable <laughs> but yeah um, so yeah I think we we had two major or minor we like to say minor minor points uh, that we'd like to correct ourselves on. Um, Vinny incorrectly said, uh, was referencing Terry Harris and not Tyler. Um, Daryl and the eldest Harris brother did not attend Tennessee. They attended University of Maryland. Yes. Terps. Go Terps. Um, also I think we talked about Ryu Hachimura, that he was a pretty tall guy. He still is a tall guy, not quite 6'10". And this is just nitpicking. He's actually 6'8", so that's why he's a little fishy. Unfortunately, unfortunately not 6'9". <laughs> Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. We tend to make a lot of mistakes. Um, so yeah, feel free to interact with us on Instagram. Uh, if you catch one yourself and just let us know, hey, you guys suck. Fix yourselves. Just say that this top water is not potable and then tell us where we messed up. Uh, right. We'd be more than happy to call it out on the pod for the next episode. Yeah. But if you guys do do that, I'm going to delete your comment. Just kidding. Yeah, no. we're going to delete it. <laughs> we're going to take it into consideration and then camp- say it was our idea. That we found yeah. a mistake. Yep. <laughs> We're one of those snarky social media accounts. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, but uh, next on our tasting menu, Mulan. 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 You know, I, t- I said earlier that I think I didn't really watch a lot of, um, of the Disney movies over and over again. But I will tell you, one of my favorites had to be Mulan growing up. So I think I caught that one more than a handful of times, for sure. Um but yeah, I saw the trailer. Uh, similar to my feelings, maybe when I, we talked about Top Gun and that newer trailer, I saw the Mulan one, and I was like, whoa, like, I don't even really know what to expect. I guess I probably should have done a little bit more reading as far as what they're doing here, but I think they're actually trying to take a different approach to the live-action remakes, or in this case, actual having humans um, retell a cartoon story. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this actually has to do more so with actually the original like Chinese origin story about Mulan. They're not going to take a direct, like, one-for-one, shot-for-shot uh, feeling that they similarly did with, like, Aladdin and, and Lion King. They're actually going to be telling a different story, and there's not actually going to be any of the singing involved either. So much to people's either enjoyment or not. Um, seems like it's just going to be way different. Like, seems like yeah. a way more serious tone as well. What have you heard about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, same thing I've, I've heard about from what you were talking about, but, like, they've removed Shang, um... Which, it's funny because I think a lot of people had... So, like, when Mulan came out, I think a lot of people not... Maybe it was, like, retroactively, but a lot of people had issues with the movie being like, oh, it's not really, like, a... Like, people didn't think it was a great example for, for like, young girls. And they were like, oh, like this is not, like, that great of a movie. Like, as, as, as much as people would, like, want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think they 
maybe they took that into consideration too because they took him out of the movie. Um, and so, like you were saying, it's going to be a very different movie. So I think what your friend Mike was like, the way he felt during the movie about like, oh, I can predict everything. Yeah. It's going to be different. And um, I'm interested to see how it turns out. There's no guarantee I see it in theaters because I rarely see anything in theaters. Mm. Um, but they also got rid of Mushu, so I'm kind of sad about that. Oh. Because um, Eddie Murphy, hilarious, hilarious, great Mushu. Um, and I'm and I'm gonna miss the songs because I think, like you were saying, of all the Disney movies that I've watched, well, those are the like those songs from there are the only ones I can pretty much just sing from heart. Yeah. They're great. Like, they're hilarious. Yeah, I, I think you make a big point that I probably didn't even think about is that, like, the comic relief that you got from um, Mushu. If that's lacking in the movie, yeah, I guess I don't know if, uh, other than the name... It's just going to be serious, I think. Yeah, else we say, it might just be serious. I don't think that necessarily would make it bad, but I think maybe yeah. I have to stick myself out of the idea that this is a movie that I'm familiar with and just be ready to watch something, like, as a clean right. slate. Um, yep. Nonetheless, though, it's still uh, an Asian story. That's exciting to see that's being put out. Now, whether or not uh, I think... There was some talk about how I think in order for them to even um, make this movie again, having the cast be primarily Asian was for them to be able to market it in China, you know, which would probably be like their main audience. Honestly, I think from what I've learned in any classes I've taken about movies is that that's probably the biggest market today. Is that yeah. especially when we talk about these superhero movies earlier? It's like, uh, yeah, those guys are still paying to go see the movies, and mm-hmm. it's kind of the big deal, right? So if you see anything kind of shift. And um, how movies yeah. are made, and what movies are actually being like. If you're if you're tired of superhero movies, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're gonna keep coming out uh, for that reason alone. So um. I think I think what I find really interesting is that because mm, I can't speak to watching movies from a first generation or like non Asian American Asian mm. um, is that like it's always funny in like every movie that you see that includes foreign characters. They always do this weird balance between whenever the foreign characters speak their native tongue versus when they speak English. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like in TV shows and movies do it all the time. Like, they're like, especially in like, um, like Chernobyl was kind of funny. Okay. Right. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. they would have scenes where like, over the radio, like when they're like listening to the radio, it's just in like Russian. Right. Mm-hmm. But then when the characters speak, it's all in English. And like, I get it. Like, you have to have like the audience, under- like you, the audience wants to understand what they're saying mm-hmm. without having to read subtitles. But it's always I always find like I wonder where like not I have no complaints about it by the way I just wonder how would like if I were like a Russian person which I I don't think they could actually I think they blocked Chernobyl in Russia really? but anyways oh, um the TV show but yeah so like um or and the real place too but <laughs> that's besides the point <laughs> but, um, um like I, I would I just wonder like how yeah how how like the native speaker would would see that dichotomy play out I just think it's funny because like. They'll just go from, like, when they, like, talk to each other, they're about, like, you know, speaking, like, Chinese or something. Mm-hmm. And then they, like, turn to, like, the main character and, like, suddenly I can speak perfect English. Who knew? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I, that kind of makes me take a step back and also just think about all the stories I've heard, I guess, about people watching American movies overseas is that, like, it's just their primary channel of, like, learning how to speak English, too. So, I mean, I, I, may, I maybe I'm making this general assumption that it's okay. Like, oh, they'd rather hear the more, more English-speaking yeah. parts, but... We where we might care a little bit more about authenticity and stuff like yeah maybe it's not as big of a, a deal for uh... actually I do have an experience with it tell me I just thought about it so I, I watch a lot of Korean dramas Ooh. a ton perfect I'm like a now I'm just like 100 percent in right I love them but there are a lot of Korean dramas where they include like American characters mm-hmm. right 
And I find it very interesting when those characters speak English, like these like white dudes. Mm-hmm. And so they'll be speaking, but I, I find to, I tend to notice that in like every Korean drama, they don't speak it like conversationally like you and I do. Right. They say their words very slowly and they'll be like, excuse me, sir, why are you doing this this way? It bothers me that you do it this way. As if they're like speaking into, from like a, uh, like an education book, right? You know, those like educational films where they're like, this is how you speak English. Yeah, man. Like, mm-hmm. Incredibly proper. You should ask the waiter, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, could you bring me some water, please? Right? And it's it sounds exactly like those, and it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, so I think that's it from, like, the, the English perspective. It's kind of funny. So I just thought about I, I, a secondary career path. Sorry to interject. Is that we should have an English language advisor, dude, and it'll be you. <laughs> like, guys, this is, you're doing it all wrong. All right? This is how you would say it. You need more F-bombs. <laughs> bring me that goddamn water right now. Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's, that sounds like a pretty well-paying job. And, yeah. you know, get to do a little bit of mixing up with Korean dramas, which you'll see me to love. And I yeah. dipped in for yeah. a little while. Korean actresses? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Not for me. Hello. Um, I'm married, happily. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Anywho. Yeah, dude, so, um, we talked about, like, uh, someone that's kind of showing up in everything now. Um... Starting with like really coming out party and, and crazy rich Asians is Aquafina, dude. She's on like absolute fire right now. She's and like fuego. Yeah, it's kind of like to a point where you see her in something, it's like not like you don't bat an eye, but like it's just, it's just kind of feel like like it's the new normal, right? Just seeing her yeah. face. She's like that ubiquitous. Is that the right word I'm looking for? As far as where how often we see her or how used to it we are. Um, but yeah, she has a project that's out right now called uh, the Farewell. Um, I think it's based on a real story. Um, I'm not going to get into any details, but it does sound like it's something really exciting that I want to go see. Um, but yeah, Joe, what's your experience with Aquafina? What she's getting into? What do you want to talk about? Yeah, so I think um, I, I don't follow her as closely as you do. Um, I probably should more, um, considering the nature of this podcast. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to leave that work, the hard work to you. Sorry, friend. Hey, but, no um, worries. The R&D, baby. Yeah. So I'm so what the what I've noticed though is that um I watch a lot of TV. Um and so there I saw her appear on a uh, Google Pixel commercial with her and 2 chains. Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting cuz like the fact that, you know, essentially what what you see in this commercial is just her and 2 chains just hanging out talking, right? And just kicking it. And then so it's like it's kind of funny cuz now like Aquafina's I wouldn't say that she's necessarily on the same like societal like widespread nature as two chains is just in terms of like his music is being like like everywhere like everyone listens to two chains or it did at some point mm-hmm. but the fact that like it's just normal for her and two chains to just be hanging out in a tv commercial i feel like speaks volumes for me because i think arguably when you're in a commercial you know or when you're casting asian people in a tv commercial it could be more societally impactful than a tv show or a movie because when it comes to, like, a TV show and a movie, you have to, like, you know, put effort into watching it. You have to put effort into getting to that TV show. You have to be interested in watching that TV show or movie. Mm-hmm. And in some case, you have to pay for it. But a TV commercial, you're not doing anything. You're just sitting there. And it just happens to come on. And then you're kind of just forced to watch it. And so, like, in the most positive way, it could be, like, the most dangerous, most impactful medium, media medium that we don't think about. Because it's really something that's just forced upon you and you're just kind of like sitting there just watching it and you're like, oh. And so I think 
I think in a more subtle way, that's the way I think media companies have been and continue to do um, or like pushing, you know, these like subconscious ideas on you, you know? And so like more women in car commercials driving cars, right? And just to like kind of push that upon society and like, I mean, a lot of, a lot of positive things that like you could do a lot of great things utilizing TV commercials. And I think Aquafina making that TV commercial pretty big step. Yeah. I, I, listening to what you're saying, I think the subconscious was probably the biggest thing. I was like, yeah, this stuff is just something that we're out of control and we're waiting for the real content that we're actually trying to watch mm-hmm. come up for. Like it'd be like a sporting event or something like that. But I agree with you there. Like you get the most eyes, I guess, on commercials or even mm-hmm. ears for that, for that matter. But and where we probably would see, like, hey, you wouldn't say, like, there's never been, like, an Asian person in any commercial. There have been. That's probably where most, not most, I think some actors really just get a start, you know, a couple gigs here and there, just doing commercials. But for them to have, like, a big name, in this case, Aquafina, who people have seen at this point, um, you know, whether it be, let's see, Ocean's 8, I can't remember the actual number, but the mo- that, that movie that came out, and so clearly now I think that she, you'd say that she's, getting close to being a household name like you hear aquafina you don't think about the water first i think you probably think about um her uh and real name yeah yeah. she has a very unique voice and so like you hear her talk and you're gonna be like oh that's aquafina yeah yeah exactly and um even talking about that bit too uh i mentioned that the movie that she's she has a couple of stuff coming out but um we mentioned shang Chi. i think she's also going to be she was cast in that that movie as well Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. Like, I think when you saw it, it's like when that news comes up, you're like, oh, yeah, that's the obvious choice. Like, I think that's yeah. the point we're at right now where, like, Simu, I was like, yeah. Um, and for her, like, uh, yeah, you mentioned her voice is being a little unique. She grew up in, in Queens. Um, and so one that you do know enough about her, I think, uh, she'll be coming out with her own actual Comedy Central series. For me, it sounds a little bit like Broad City for anyone listening um, and trying to find a reference for what that show might look like. It sounds like it might be more like that, but it's kind of going to be based off of her own life, uh, biopics, of, so to speak. But again, it should be pretty funny. Um, another one of the artists uh, that you guys might come to recognize or learn about um, is the guy that we actually featured in our outro music from last week's, uh, three weeks ago, episode. <laughs> <laughs> Dumbfounded. Uh, but, yeah, Dumbfounded, uh, a.k.a. John Park. Uh, who's been you know just really involved with making music and even before that uh i knew him from being doing like a a battle rap like he was a really well-known battle rapper i was like mm-hmm. it, talk about like being inspired to have it not like i wouldn't call him a role model because i'm not a rapper but like, seeing him <laughs> kind of come up and like because you know that the jokes are going to be flying his way are all like race centric and so mm-hmm. like, taking all the demons i think we face you know, all this, you, we joke about how like every other week or maybe once a month, someone might be like, go back to your country. And you're like, ah, oh, that just makes me seethe. But this guy's going to get that stuff like right in his face. It's expected. And how do you gonna, like whip back with something quick witted and mm-hmm. and really kind of like smart, you know, and clever. So anyways, seeing this guy's career arc, he's one of those guys I also mentioned that probably is doing his own podcast as well. Um, but I'd probably support anything he does because I appreciate his art, his work. Um, and seeing him now also come in, and maybe not say that I don't know what his ultimate goals are, but to see him actually work with someone that he'd probably consider his friend in Aquafina, someone that they've been doing work and I guess as far as grinding creatively for a while, good for him, man. Um, also talking about that show that Aquafina is doing as well, B.D. Wong, who, if you don't recognize the name, you probably realize that he was the Asian guy in Law and Order SVU. Uh, so he was the guy in the lab. He's graduated now on to uh, more... <laughs> 
pervasive role. Uh, and it's I, one of the guys I was ripping in the first pod. Yeah, one of those guys. But I'll tell you what, I also, doing a quick, like, Wikipedia search, I think he was also involved in, like, musicals or something like that. Like, I saw he won some Tony Awards. Yeah, he said um, he won a, a Tony Award for his performance as Song Liling in M. Butterfly, becoming the only actor in Broadway history to receive the Tony Award, Drama Desk Award, Okay, I can I can go on and on. He won he's won a lot of awards, but I've only known him as the SVU guy. <laughs> so that's really exciting. But he's gonna be playing Aquafina's dad. Um, so pretty cool, dude. Pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah. That's, anyway, that's interesting. Um, that's interesting. Uh, and so yeah, so that, that that this is just a good opportunity for us to also. I mean, I think every week we can probably be talking about something new that Aquafina is pretty much involved in. Um, but if you guys didn't already know, I think her career is not going to just stop at something like Crazy Rich Asians. It sounds like she's just going to be on the ascent. And uh, yeah, for sure, man. We're not going to we're gonna be hearing a lot of Aquafina. Go for her. Yeah. Go, go, go. I'm happy about that. Uh, rising star. Rising star for sure. But yeah, um, on to just now the unstructured random Asian news segment. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, uh, this kind of goes along with just anything that's happening. Of course, we've already been delving into, like, new subjects as they've come along. Um, but some of this stuff is just, hey, like, um, all media-related. And uh, someone that you probably have not have thought about, and at least this was news to me, is um, the upcoming movie Stuber with uh, Kumail uh, Nanjani. Um, I think it's actually, I remember hearing the little promo for this one. It's kind of diving into what we would consider, like, toxic masculinity. You take a hyper-masculine... Dave Batista, who was a former wrestler, giant dude, also half Filipino, which, whoa, mind blown. We claim in it. No clue. We claim in it. What? Yes. You're one of us now, Dave. <laughs> Come on to our side, but <laughs> uh, that movie's coming out, so that's actually pretty cool. I, I, I would give a little bit of Asian news because on both sides, you know, Kamel's going really, ever since he came out with the big sick. Um, obviously he's continually being involved with other movie projects that's really encouraging to see I appreciate that representation as well mm-hmm. on his side and then yeah Dave Bautista um, he, when I remember seeing him in Guardians of the Galaxy I was like whoa this guy's actually a pretty decent actor I see him now he's taking on more comedy roles and stuff like that and uh, you know good for him that's super exciting um, dude I'm curious to see what you think about this next bit of news um, whether or not you actually were following it pretty well or not was uh, you know the the anime, um, is it Akira? Akira? Uh-huh. How do you say it? Um, there's been, I think this, if I had, you know what, we can give this episode a theme, is that there's a lot of remakes going on. A lot of live action do-overs uh, going out in, in um, today, at least 2019. So for the latest news that's coming up is that turns out the Akira remake will not be happening. Um, that project's been put on delay Something that's probably been in talks for what feels like forever now. Um, I did a little bit more digging. I think Leonardo DiCaprio is some. His name was attached to the movie coming out. Uh, that was a little bit surprising. I think he's actually funding it. Um, the director that originally was slated to take over the project, I think he kind of just stepped away from the, stepped away, decided not to to take part. And other rumblings I think I've heard too is that I think they're at a point where. As far as the budget that is concerned with this movie, and we talked about this earlier, I'm not sure if they really have a cast in mind for who would be able to take over the story. I know for sure, I think from the scripts that maybe have been leaked or released, is that the story won't be taking place in Japan as the original story had. Mm-hmm. They'd be trying to make it more Americanized. So 
as far as casting, I think you would probably have a primary cast of Asian American actors, but um, this isn't for me to come out and, and speak out of place and say that those guys don't exist because I think we've spent a, a lot of effort and time to say that that's not the case. Um, I'd be curious to see what really ultimately made this decision or kind of stopped the movie from being put out, but I guess we're going to get those details as they come along, and I don't think that necessarily puts a nail in the coffin for this movie to come out, but I think there still is a lot of excitement there. Yeah, and um, like, I think you would want to do it the right way. Um, just like, apparently, I mean, I, I didn't see the the anime but apparently like the original has it set in tokyo like neo tokyo which is um there apparently like old tokyo had been obliterated by a like a nuclear disaster atomic bomb by the united states um and so like them moving it from that tokyo setting to new york would really i mean eviscerate like the the actual core nature of the film i think I, I I would have an issue with, and it's like, it's funny because we're talking about it not as fans of the movie or of the anime, um, but just as like someone who's looking in from the outside, I, you just think like, you know, do you really need to do that? Um, do you really need to like eliminate essentially the core of the, what made that movie or what that made that anime really popular to other viewers? You don't really just try and like whitewash it yourself. And essentially like what we talked about in the first few epi- or episodes of this podcast is you just like stealing from people man yeah no i i think especially when we talk about along the lines of like um all these remakes that are coming out uh, you get to that fine line of like making sure you do something justice um and if you are going to do an iteration of it or like base making it more of an adaptation i think that that should be explicitly stated but like in the case of like lion king where it's like almost shot for shot or if it's going to be like mulan it's going to be a little bit different you know, same thing with Akira. I think when people have so much or hold something up to such importance, I feel like you, you better hope it, it gets done well. Just because I think the original piece is such a, a sh- it's gonna loom large no matter what happens mm-hmm. um, to its legacy, whether or not it can affect it or not. I think that's actually maybe the more important takeaway when I, when someone was telling me about what was it i think it was the way that people talk about the fourth toy story movie actually it was like did it affect because like me personally i was like. The third movie, that was it for me, right? I, I thought that it ended perfectly. And my most important question was, it's not like I wasn't excited to go see the fourth movie because I haven't seen it yet. That's one of my favorite franchises. Is that like, will it affect how I feel about the first three? And someone mm-hmm. was like, happily, no. So, with that said, I feel why I watch it. I might not go see it in theaters, but that's always a question for me. Yeah. It's like, does it ever mess with the legacy of something that you kind of high, hold in high esteem yep. in our minds growing up? Yeah. Um, so I guess speaking of, you know, the cultural appropriation topic, um, Kim Kardashian. Oh, yeah, Kim Kardashian. Um, this one is a little bit something I think we wanted to touch on. We probably could have even brought it up, I think, on the last pod. So not exactly breaking news, but um, I remember reading the story as it came out. Uh, it was that she had come up with a new shapewear line and had named it. And the reveal was that it was going to be called Kimono. Um so for a lot of reasons, I think that's problematic. But the the first one mainly being that this is coming from a place where there's not a lot of understanding of, of why it was named, how you took a word that meant something completely different. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, my, my dog's barking in the background. <laughs> I'm going to mute that out of here. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Uh, don't, going back to this is no problem. E- uh, e- 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 I wish you luck. But um, I was gonna say, 
uh, yeah, I think the bigger problem here too is that we talked about um, understanding where the word came from, but also I think there was a trademark placed on the word kimono, which again, I didn't know you could even do, but I think that's what, I'm not, I'm not going to go out of my way to be like some huge Kim Kardashian hater because I actually really am not, but along this story, I think there is some welcome criticism for, I guess, how this whole approach was done. And again, again the family, I think, um, is known for doing stuff like this as far as trademarking marking certain words and profiting off of that. Um, what are your takes on this one anyway, Joe? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... I've heard. Yeah, I think, I think it's funny just, like, following up on it from, you know, when, when it was initially announced, um, like, early in, like, June, and then by June 1st, her killing off the name Kimono. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just think it's funny. Uh, I find it impossible to believe that they couldn't see it coming. So, like, in her statement after, you know, changing, or after the backlash from, like, just the general public... Yeah. Um, was that she had no idea that it was going to be that she, she, she had no idea it was coming, like that this backlash mm-hmm. was going to occur. Um, and I think it's odd that, you know, so like, interestingly enough, Kim Kardashian is studying, uh, for, to try and take the California bar exam to try and become an attorney. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I find it interesting that, you know, someone who I guess is like seeking a future in the legal fields wouldn't have expected this and someone who has as much business experience that she does now you know having trademarked multiple other brand lines and having created her own business and like you know all of her fashion industry experience like how could you not expect this to be an issue like if i were to come out and like i don't know try and trademark cowboy or something people would be like what the Mm -hmm. hell and like turn it into like a boxer brief company <laughs> people would be like what are, you, what are you doing here man you know like it's just it doesn't make sense you know and so right yeah i think if i were to be to, uh, to look at it from like the most like uh if i were to assume that her intentions were pure and innocent that like clearly she's like got a fixation on the k's her family has a fixation on the k's and her name's Kim. And her name's literally in it, like yeah, Kim. Uh, Kim oh, no, like, yeah. Maybe that was her word association, but like at the end of the day, it's dead. So. Um, yeah, and I think regardless of that, I think with someone, especially with the acumen that she has, because again, I actually have respect for that that aspect of her life as well, and then just for the family, for them to really kind of built up the empire that they did. But it's, it just comes off really as super tone deaf, and you think that you talk to enough people that maybe okay the idea, or I don't know who they're running it by. Because, again, there were steps taken to, one, trademark it, and the next thing actually decide that, you know, this is going to be my shapewear line. I don't think she was – I hope that she was, like, vetting this through other people. It wasn't, like, this solely one unique idea. I'm not going to tell anybody. Like, everyone's going to find out the day the news comes out. It's a little bit surprising, I think, from that angle. And, you know, not to even just throw too much criticism because I think this, the family, of course, is embroiled in all similar types of controversies. But I think it kind of reminds me of when um, Kendall got really – in trouble for the Pepsi commercial um, sometime back. Did you hear about that story no, a while that? ago, Joe? I'm not going to really explain it too well, so I guess I kind of hesitated to bring it up, but um, the camp, the commercial that came out was that she was looked at solving the problems with uh, policing with by like handing a, a can of Pepsi to the cop in the picketing or protesting lines. Everyone's like out there protesting, et cetera. And then she like cuts through the crowd. Oh yeah. That one, that one. I remember like that. that whole thing. I'm jogging your memory at all. Yep. It does. But yeah. That, that was actually a big stink. And obviously the whole thing got pulled too, because it goes like, how did, like that's, you can't just simplify such a 
a nuanced subject by saying, "Oh, Pepsi's going to solve all of our problems." Like, you know, it d- didn't really make any sense. Yeah. So I remember that. That was a huge backlash. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, but I will say uh, it's a way to kind of wrap up this segment. Um, hopefully, you got your guys, you know, jogging your brain a little bit. Uh, ASAP Rocky is currently in trial in the in Sweden right now for uh, assaulting somebody. Um, again, this is news because uh, it sounds like he could face up to two years in prison um, or a heavy fine based on his salary. So uh, free ASAP. That's all I have to say. So that's kind of. <laughs> I had no clue about this, this new segment, but uh, all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. So everyone else knows. Totally related to everything else we just talked about. Wait, why free ASAP? If he beats someone up, he should go to jail. <laughs> should he? Yes. Or did he? I don't know. Anyways, um, yeah. I think moving on from free ASAP, which I haven't done any research on, and I'm not inclined to agree with, but <laughs> Alan Yang. These thoughts are my own. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the last thing we can talk about real quick before we um, wrap this all up is Alan Yang. Uh, oh, or I, yeah, I agree with you actually. Uh, go ahead, break it down because I was going to say, but I want to talk about Jeremy. Oh yeah, you know what? We will talk about Jeremy at the end of this. Uh, I apologize. I, I I keep lying to you guys. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I just keep wanting making these episodes go on and on, guys. So yeah. I also apologize. I hope you guys enjoy. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, Alan Yang. Um, I think what he's most known for is Parks and Rec. Um, you guys, I mean, actually, well, you know what? He might not be well known for that, but his name's on every single episode because um, he's the uh, he's he's one of the producers of that show. And um, mm-hmm. I really, in like figuring learning about that, really made me appreciate the show a little bit more, knowing that like an Asian guy was the one writing it and producing it. Because I think for me, it was like there's a lot of funny Tom Haverford moments. Uh, who's played by Aziz in the TV show. And there's like, it's the, you get, you run into a lot of classic, like lone Asian in middle America vibe. And so, uh, like the fact that he changed his last name to Haverford to like help himself in America, I, I found was very funny and interesting because I, I have known a couple of Asian friends who have had their last names changed to see if it would help give them a leg up or not even the leg up, but like maybe not, be discriminated against as an Asian just on paper. Um, but yeah, you have some Alan Yang news. Yeah, I mean, I think it, that just built off of the, what you were talking about too, man. I guess um, discriminating being like the extreme side of that, but like, I think just maybe being made to feel like you're different, um, being like another person, if I can relate to that story at all, I think you and I can't be saying, I like, can't say we're too far off from, we weren't the only Asians growing up, but we were one of the few, so it's a pretty relatable story in, in that side. And I'm, I'm not actually a big Parks and Rec fan, so um, it's interesting to hear like other perspectives of like how you know about any particular person. Because I would probably affiliate it more so with um, Master of None. So if I were also to Aziz, <laughs> disagree. Yeah, that's Aziz affiliated. Um, another controversy for another time. But uh, yeah, Alan Yang was a big part of that. I could say co-creator, um, and I think. Uh, the reason why I think I wanted to mention his name on this pod in particular was I think he had, had heard a soundbite per se. And I think it was an interview. He was doing like a roundtable discussion with some other directors about the work that he's involved with. People will come to expect, I think, him being especially Asian American, that all of his work will kind of revolve around divert, you know, race pretty much. I think that's, to put it bluntly, um, Master of None and I think even his work uh, Forever on Amazon not as well known, but I, I remember being really kind of fixated about it. Um, 
starred um, oh, I'm gonna forget their names right now Fred Armistead and um, I'm just gonna look it up real quick right now we're on Amazon let me buy it sometime because uh, I don't want to get it the wrong okay um, wow the first thing you think it would come up as the first <laughs> and actually this is me finding out that it actually got cancelled what moment of silence for forever Okay, this is a great way to kind of go about it. Um, dang, dude. Oh, Maya Rudolph. Okay, thank God. Right. Anyways, Fred Armisen and Maya Rudolph. Um, but my bigger point there being about how, again, I guess their expectation for any, any other uh, director, they can make whatever they want, but Alan Yang has to be kind of uh, pigeonholed, so to speak, into only talking about race. And I think his response to that is like, well, why should that be the case? It's like, well, why is that my expectation? Yeah, he produced Parks um, over and anybody Rick. else. Yeah, you got guys like Justin Lin who go from making Better Luck Tomorrow to you know making Fast and Furious, and that was more of like subtly you know race stuff that he was talking about, just by incorporating some certain Asian elements, <laughs> much to people's Tokyo. happiness or dislike. Tokyo. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I, I guess the the thought there is, uh, I think he does make solid points again. Like you have a already kind of mixed race stars. You can look at uh, Maya Rudolph and Fred Armiston. They're like, you can't, I, they, they're both mixed race. There's a bunch of things. Um, and there's maybe a singular episode where there is a um, Asian woman and a black man who are also in a relationship. So that's stuff that it's not like the whole, the whole idea isn't just focused on what they are or what the race they are in the episode. It's just, you're just telling a story with these characters in it, you know? So that's another way I think of, of them presenting it, not exactly being in, it's being intentional, but not trying to be like obvious, right. like saying that this is all we have to have to say. So I thought that was important. Um, and Alan Yang obviously is going to be up and coming. I think he's produced some pretty great work. Sorry to hear about Forever, and I'm actually kind of broken up about that because I like that show. <laughs> I was hoping for a new season. Um, but yeah, dude. Uh, I guess transitioning to our probably our, our last thought for this pod, and it's for me, kind of a little bit of more of a somber note. Mm-hmm. Um, we focused a lot on on Jeremy Lin and his career arc and, and kind of making it really a celebration of him uh, being an NBA champion, first Asian American um, and be NBA champion to note and uh, where he kind of stands now with free agency. And, you know, since we recorded the last pod, July 7th was pretty early on in the process and we've gone the full month pretty much. And he's remained unsigned from any uh, NBA team. Um, to us, I think at the time I remember thinking, this is okay for him. You know, he just won an NBA championship. Uh, there were stories out that he wanted to go play with his brother in Taiwan. And I think the latest now rumor is that like, there's some team in Russia um, that wants to have him as a starting point guard. So he'd have that opportunity to be a starter, not just like a six man or, um, you know, buried in, in the depth chart as like a, a veteran. Um, not to say or quest put into question his skill. Cause I think he stayed in the, in the most competitive league, uh, played at the highest level of basketball for, eight nine years that says a lot um but the video that came out and i guess i'll round back to really what i wanted to talk about was it kind of showed how vulnerable he was to the situation and how really him not being signed by an nba team really put into question i guess how he felt joe but if you could take the opportunity maybe explain that i think you can probably say it better than i yeah so Vinny sent me a link this morning um it was a reddit link someone had posted the uh, a short like one minute clip of him speaking to like a Taiwanese Christian congregation at, at some church. Um, and it looks like it, this is like a yearly thing he does where he visits Taiwan and 
and then it gives like a little testimony about you know where he is like spiritually and then just about his career because i think um like me from like me personally for anybody it's like nice to hear someone who's similar to you talk about their story and so um i think it's pretty impactful and in, in this clip he's uh it starts off and he's like very emotional his head's down and it looks like he's just begun crying uh and like he's like clearly broken up about this and so he like looks up and then he just continues speaking he talks about like he talks about like where he is spiritually in his faith and then and then he goes on to say like right now he's going through the most difficult part of his life because you know he's right now at rock bottom in his career and so that's the way he's really describing it is that they say and like he he like gives us like like uh is it an idiom i don't know if it's an idiom but like this saying where where it goes you know yeah if you're at rock bottom it's at least there's nowhere else to go but up but then he likens Mm -hmm. it to his own situation he says it feels like it just keeps getting lower that rock bottom Mm -hmm. just keeps getting worse because, and I think it's also interesting, like juxtaposed to just what he had just come off of. He just won a championship with the Raptors. And then he goes to being an unwanted man. And so in this moment, he's talking about how he always told himself he'd, he would never give anyone a reason to doubt him. Because if people start to doubt him, like they'll take that opportunity at the first chance they could, you know. And, and he's, you know, very emotional and it's devastating to him. And I think both you and I, Vinny, when we talked about this just earlier, um, before we started recording the podcast, is that I think the humanization of athletes is something that's become so much more important to us now that we're getting older. Yeah, I mean, I think in to, to really um, say how I really feel about it, because I'm still, try, still trying to figure out a way to like communicating, I guess, my own thoughts, but overall i think what i can at least say for definitive proof is that there is almost either a lack of empathy or it's just guys that think they can project themselves as to what they would do in that situation right and so what's being said a lot is like yeah he was an nba champion or he has made 50 million dollars in his career and he's played eight years he should be grateful like and and it's not a question of whether or not he's grateful for the career that he's had i think you and i can like both agree upon that and that's something we talked about kiss before we started recording it's like that's not what we're trying to take away from this it's just that, like you're looking at whereas we have opportunities and people in other career arcs have long careers well into maybe their you know, 60s mm-hmm. even when you think about an athlete most of the guys would be lucky to play three for, years i mean depending on yeah. the job three years even uh, five years i think you made a great analogy to talk about how the NBA point guard, and I'm not gonna say this is definitely all Joe's ideas that like it's becoming more of like the NFL running back as far as career span, and the ability of, of and what we really mean with that analogy there is that like teams can just find a guy, whether it be in the fringes or through the draft, mm-hmm. to replace these vets right. that are gonna be quicker, um, again it's cheaper even yeah. I think so to speak even when we're talking about the veteran minimum like the, those rookie salaries. Um, to be a lot more advantageous for certain teams. So these guys just get bumped. And I think that's what Jeremy's really, really facing right now at age 30 with the buildup of all the injuries. And I guess that little room for doubt that he kind of gave with his time on the Raptors, um, where I think he really just got outplayed. But again, you're looking at a guy that came into a team more than halfway through the season. And, and they were already established. Read too much into that. Yeah, like it's kind of just rough, I think. To, to kind of see how that really played out for right. him and, and where the state is now. And I think just my biggest takeaway in terms of just like how I relate this to my own life and, you know, how I relate this to just humanity in general is that, 
I mentioned this to like Vinny earlier, but um, I think the older I get, the more I recognize just how human these people are. Like how, how like, I think when we're younger or if we're just ignorant of the fact that these are people as well, um, yeah. we tend to just like be starstruck by the dollar signs and the fact that they're playing what a lot of people say is a children's game, you know, like you're playing a children's game for a living. Like you should be happy. Yeah. Right. And then you're making millions of dollars, man. Like that's because I think we're innately or inherently dissatisfied with our lives and the way and what yeah. we're doing, because if we had an opportunity to play a children's game for our lives, like if I had a chance to play esports FIFA as a career, I'd be so happy, you know, but like, we don't have that opportunity. Or, or either we didn't, or we didn't pursue it, right? Mm-hmm. And so we just look at the dollar signs. We're like, oh, you made fifty million over your career. Like, what do you have to complain about? But it's not about the money, and it never. And like, yes, I'm sure a large part of it for some of these guys is about the money. But at the end of the day, like, for the vast majority of them, I'd say it's because they're doing what they love to do, because they love the game, they love playing, and they love being able to like showcase their skills and their hard work, right? Because I think. You and I, Vinny, we both work in IT, and, like, I wouldn't say, I'm not going to speak for Vinny, but, like, I know that this is not my passion. This is not what I wake up every single day being like, man, thank God I can go to IT, even though I probably should be more grateful for it. But, um, and so, like, if I had the opportunity to do what I loved for a living, like, whatever it might be, I don't even know yet, right? But, like, if I had that opportunity to do it at the highest stage, at the highest level, and get paid, like, a good amount of money to do it, and then one day... I achieve the pinnacle of my career and the very next day no one wants me. And not even for them to say they don't want me, but for them to just ignore me. For you to become irrelevant, for people to start saying, oh, maybe he's not got it. He doesn't got it anymore. He's not good enough anymore. That would break me too. And I think the gu- the guts and the courage he had to go talk about that publicly to like, you know, however many hundred or thousand people that were there in that audience. And then to the millions of people that see that video later on, I think that's the move of a man who has like the courage to speak about what's on his mind. And like, obviously he was talking about it in the context of his faith, but like a lot of players these days have been talking about it in the context of their own mental health. And I think it's very courageous. And I think it's, it's good to be like that kind of outspoken, you know, and it makes me feel for him more. And I feel like I'm more empathetic towards like his cause and his plight. Yeah. This is something that, again, I never would have really anticipated. Not to say that I feel like he's done everything he can to just project this confident energy or like this constant grind, so to speak, throughout his, his NBA career span. And it almost seems like the way we're, I, I'm even talking about it now is like a, it's a, a soliloquy to his mm-hmm. career, but like it seems like there's a closing chapter here because um, for it to be, have been this long, it, this very well may be it, but again, the we feel anxiety, like, as you already said, Joe, and I'm not going to try to even go on too much longer. I really think you said it pretty spot on, is I think the normal anxieties or day-to-day anxiety that we feel in our own roles, these guys feel it too. You know what I mean? That's just what I want to get out of this. And um, if for me, it, kind of, it breaks my heart to see Jeremy feel this way. I, I, I really empathize with him and that feeling. It upsets me really just to realize that that was actually him. I, I was almost really just in disbelief because I was like, I had no idea that this was going to be something that you would feel, right? Um, so I, at the end of the day, if, if I'm just able to put this out here, if this my fandom for Jeremy doesn't stop here, whether or not he continues to play in the NBA or not. Um, this whole idea of, of, of us celebrating Jeremy will continue in my mind. 
And I really just have nothing but the best to wish for this guy. And I, I hope that if that means him getting what he wants and ending up another NBA team and really playing a significant role, I have no doubt that at least what he's shown in, in his past history that he can do that. So let's hope a team goes out of their way and, and takes a flyer. Yeah. Because um, I think not, not because he deserves it, because I think he talked about there's a line that was said about him playing in the right way. I think it just means that you're putting the work in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Day in, day out, like anybody else. You don't you don't just get stuff handed to you. You work mm-hmm. for it. And um, he's a she's a showcase. Yeah. Guy, so, so uh, you know, may, hopefully by the next podcast that we do, um, he's on a team. Yeah, dude. And our yeah, just first pepper up a little bit. Yeah, our next Asian news segment. We're breaking news. Yeah. Uh, that Jeremy has signed with the Boston the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> Please come to Boston. I'm okay with that, dude. I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll you take know what? In this, since you since you offered the olive branch to me, I will say I'd be okay with him joining the Sixers as well. Ah, the roster's filled up. We just picked up Trey Ooh, Burke, so I don't think Trey so. Trey Burke, man, he's garbage. <laughs> we'll need our Celtics. Your Celtics. Yeah. Oh, she said our Celtics. I feel filthy. I think we filled up our last roster spot with Taco Fall. So, <laughs> damn. So, damn. Unfortunately, he's probably not going to be joining either of our teams. But I want him to find a good home somewhere here in the U.S. or in Canada. I was reading um, Alex Wong's Twitter. I mentioned him on the last podcast, but I think he said something that's pretty pretty funny. I guess a lighthearted way to take this is like he wants to take all the Asian relative wealth, put it together, form an NBA team, <laughs> so they could sign, they could they can make a team in Seattle for all we care, and uh, and draft Jeremy. Um, great idea. That is a great idea. I will contribute what little wealth I have to this. No, don't worry. It's not ours. It's our relatives. Ah, yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. Yeah, the rich ones, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I'd, I'd contribute a few bucks. I want to be a minority owner. Oh, no pun intended. Hey, literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. All right, man. Well, this uh, was uh, pretty close to being the perfect podcast. So, um, as always, it was a pleasure, Joe. And uh, my name is Vinny. And my name is Joe. Uh, please. Stay. I got a party on a weekend. Did I got a shit on a gum? No, no, the chief. Not Jacob Chies. Not Yogi Toner. Jumbe. Narboroga. You wait. I shut down the party. Oh, no, no, I miss you so bad. Yeah, I need you so bad. I shut down the party. Oh, no, no, I miss you so bad. Yeah, I need you so bad. Yeah, I love my homies. Yeah, they pull up for me. Yeah, they pull up for me. The money, I can do whatever. Yeah, 